Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? You think that there's a good chance, I suspect, that Antonio Conte is the man. Tottenham finished second. Ooh. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Now we are at the midway point of the Formula One season. It's got that possibility of being a runaway title success this year for Max Verstappen. Probably not going to get the drama of last season with it going down to the final day. That is because Max Verstappen is now 80 points clear of Charles Leclerc following his victory in the Hungarian Grand Prix. He went past Leclerc twice during the race, coming from 10th place after engine trouble early in the weekend. Max Verstappen winning the Hungarian Grand Prix and he can put the feet up now for the summer break and come back knowing that just some second place finishes in the last nine races of the season will see him crowned as back-to-back champion. I'd like to say that Shane Hannan is with us. Shane, how are you getting on? Everything's lads. Um, we're going to talk about Vettel as well, announcing his retirement. One of the real stars of the sport of over the last 20 years, and he's going to be replaced by Fernando Alonso next season. But just to ask you about Verstappen first. Given the weekend that was in it, remember Lewis Hamilton last year when he had all his issues and went way back in the grid and uh, went on to win, and we were saying that's the type of fighting performance you get from a world champion. For Max Verstappen to have the miserable start to the weekend that he did, the engine trouble on Saturday and for him to come pretty much in the middle of the grid and win and put himself in such a strong position, where does this rank among the Max Verstappen wins? Yeah, it's a fair point. And like the fact that he started, the fact that he started 10th on the grid as well, it highlights, I guess, how dominant Red Bull are. The fact that he can come from 10th, win, and not just win, Will, but win comfortably, let's mm. be honest. I mean, an eighth win in 13 races for Verstappen at this stage and a 28th victory of his career for Red, for Red Bull. But no, you raise a fair point. Like a lot of F- Formula One commentators, reporters have been kind of querying where does this rank in terms of his greatest ever wins of those 28. And like Christian Horner was asked it after the race uh, on Sunday and he said it's right up there. And like the fact that he comes from the from, from 10th in the grid, as you said, probably adds to that. I mean, it, it, it there's an element with Verstappen now, I think after last year and, and clinching that title in Abu Dhabi, that the weight is off his shoulders. He's almost this driver now in this second year, the year after winning the title for the first time, kind of can relax in some ways. He's uh, he's He knows he's a Formula One world champion. He'll retire as that. But you wanted to see this battle with Ferrari kind of develop a little bit more on Sunday. Probably a track in, in Budapest as well that maybe in advance of the race he thought might favour the, the Ferrari cars. But... It just didn't happen. And, and once again, Ferrari's decision-making, you'd have to call into question. But that's not to take away from Verstappen's performance because, yeah, absolutely will. Like, from the moment go, you're thinking, you know, he's doing the, the kind of warm-up laps, judging the tyres, uh, deciding where they want to go with that. And and really, Red Bull's decision-making was was top-notch on Sunday. And it's it's been that way for, for the last couple of years. So, yeah, I would say it's probably... It's certainly in his top three performances of all time. It's probably his, his his best performance considering he came from 10th on the grid. Yeah, plenty of criticism from the short term about Ferrari's tactics at the weekend, but they have slipped away from where they were early in the season. There was a genuine feeling two or three races in that they had the car to potentially give Charles Leclerc the platform for a title contention at least. But mm. now, even though he's still in second place in the championship standings, it feels the Ferrari have really slipped off. Like, if you're a, a Scuderia Ferrari fan at the moment, you're tearing your hair out, Will, because you, you look back at, I, I'm even thinking back this year to, to Monaco and to Silverstone, and both times you had a pole position for Charles Leclerc, you had a track that seemed to favour them, 
uh, a car that was clearly in good shape and yet both times they converted that pole into a fourth position finish. Um, and, and yes, you can blame the car and certainly that the team principal, Mattia Bonato, queried the car after the race on Sunday and said, look, it's not perfect. Uh, Charles Leclerc tried to put a, a brave face on it after the race on Sunday. He says, look, it, there's still been big performance uh, improvements from Ferrari this year compared to last. And you can't argue with that. But he admitted himself even that, that they still have serious problems to fix because... I'm just like I'm thinking about the performance on Sunday in particular, and like Red Bull before the race were considering the hard tire and had originally planned a start on it, but obviously Verstappen and Co went with the, with with the wise decision in the end. Struggled for grip, Verstappen and Perez in the early stages of the race on these soft tires on the reconnaissance laps changed their minds. Ferrari, and this is the thing about Formula One, I guess. Uh, sometimes when you're when your direct opponents go with one option, you nearly have to go with the other option in in some instances because you have to differentiate yourself. You have to try and take the risk and maybe see does the does the other tire pay off. Like the car just wasn't performing well for Ferrari on Sunday. Like then they chose to cover Verstappen, fit the hard tires. Leclerc hadn't wanted to as well, and that's the great thing about Formula One is you get to hear this uh, action over the car radio and and the disagreements between driver and and, and team. Um, but that was the turning point. Stopping for, for the hard was the turning point. They probably should have reacted to what Verstappen and Red Bull were doing uh, and didn't. So, yeah, the, the decision-making from Ferrari, Will, has certainly contributed to the fact that they're 80 points behind Verstappen in the, in the title race and it's all but over. Are we getting to the point as well now, Shane, where there's some positive signs for Mercedes, though? Um, George Russell drove pretty well. I was watching qualifying here in the office on Saturday. Um, obviously, Lewis Hamilton has said, look, they're a little bit off the pace this year, but he's starting to see some encouraging signs as they go into the second half of this season. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, Toto Wolff and Mercedes will be taking a lot of uh, a lot of satisfaction from, from Ferrari's shortcomings in recent races because you, you've, it was a terrible July for Ferrari. And as you mentioned, like we're now at this halfway point in the season. We've got a bit of time until the next race in Spa in Belgium. But but from Mercedes' perspective, like a while back it was looking it was looking pretty grim for this season. Uh, Hamilton's performances were, were, as you mentioned, like nowhere near as consistent probably as George Russell. He was he was Mr. Top Five for, for quite some time there. Um but that that pole from Saturday as like of course they'd have liked to have turned that into a win in Budapest uh, and and let's be honest it's a track where, where Hamilton I think he's had eight, eight wins at Budapest in the past so he's the most dominant driver at that track um, but really the cars are certainly uh, improving as to where they were you know even a month or two ago so you saw George Russell on Saturday as you mentioned in qualifying holding off those Ferraris uh, and as I said it was a track that the Ferrari cars would have been quite quite fancying in advance of it but uh, you know Hamilton abandoned his, his final qualifying lap when the, when the DRS overtaking failed to, to aid it like could they have pushed on he probably regretted that decision and, and listening to, to Hamilton after the, the Saturday qualifying as well he probably realised if he had kept going and done that final qualifying lap he maybe could have qualified on the grid a little bit higher um, he would have lost that, that 0.3 second advantage that DRS was going to give him but the fresher tyres like could he have pushed Verstappen for the win had he maybe started fourth or fifth on the grid rather than seventh like Toto Wolff was asked that afterwards and he said like maybe uh, hindsight is, is obviously twenty twenty, but uh, 
yeah, certainly positives for Mercedes. Maybe could have pushed on a bit if Hamilton had had done that final qualifying lap on on Saturday, but certainly things are looking a lot better for Mercedes than they were a while back. Just on Verstappen at twenty four, like where could he be? Uh, where could he go to in terms of the ranks of the really great drivers on this trajectory? Yeah, like. <laughs> you've obviously got to first of all I guess Johnny become a multiple world champion he's on course to do that this year that like there's there's no way anyone's going to catch him it would be fairly unfathomable that someone would catch him at this at this halfway point with an 80 point advantage but like in terms of the greats like I'm even looking here I was I was reading last night there's um obviously you get all every so often the the rankings and everyone has their different opinions rankings of the greatest drivers uh like he's not he's not in that top 10 for me at the at the minute Schumacher, Hamilton, even Vettel, who we'll talk about as well, are all there thereabouts. But 20, 28 wins at, at, at this stage of his career, at such a young age, um, puts him on a serious, serious marker. And and like I love, I love the young, the, the old videos and photos of of uh, Max with his dad Yoss at the tracks when mm. when Yoss was was a driver in Formula One himself in the nineties. And and you see the 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 great photograph of of Max as a kid meeting Michael Schumacher, and you're thinking. You know, this kid, he's gone on to be one of one of the greats. And obviously he has to go on and do it now and push on. But, I mean, for me, the, the, the ceiling for him is just, uh, like, to go to go from this young, like, we, we, I remember Sebastian Vettel when he kind of came through. I think he became the youngest driver to win a Formula One race in, in 2008 or nine. Verstappen went on to break that record. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Ronnie O'Sullivan, Stephen Hendry argument in snooker. Like, Hendry had all the records. Um, but Ronnie, over time, has just ticked off one after the other, and I think it's going to be the same with Max. Like he's just targeting all of these records, and if he keeps ticking them off, he's going to be number one. You knew that Shen Hannon knew his records there. Not just the uh, youngest to win a Formula One Grand Prix, but he became the youngest world champion uh, when he won his first, and then he goes on to become, you know, the guy with the third most race victories in the history of the sport. Shen, where do you rank him? I mean, four world titles, obviously the best at that time coming at Red Bull. Maybe a bit disappointed with his time at Ferrari, and now he's going to go out as an Aston Martin driver when he retires at the end of the season. But where do you rank Vettel uh, among the greats? You've obviously given away you have him in the top ten. I I personally, and I know a lot of other Formula One fans, some people will disagree here, but for me, Vettel is, is, is third on the all-time list behind behind uh, Hamilton and Schumacher. Hold um, on now, before you do this now, where are you putting Hamilton and Schumacher at the top? Who's one and two? <laughs> I was afraid you'd ask me that. Like, numbers-wise, a lot of people will now, because Hamilton has, has got up there with, with Schumacher, probably probably put him ahead of him. But, but for me, Michael Schumacher is the GOAT. Um like I can't, I can't, I can't put Hamilton ahead of him, and and that's that's not an anti-British bias. That there's nothing, nothing of the sort. I'm actually a bit of a Lewis Hamilton fan. Now, does he go ahead um, of Schumacher if he wins another couple of world titles? Because he's already like matched and surpassed many of Schumacher's records already. But say he goes a few out in front himself, do you reconsider this if we have this conversation in two or three years' time? Yeah, like I think so. I, and like a lot of those records that that Schumacher had were were kind of deemed unsurpassable for for quite for quite some time. Like. No one has more wins than Hamilton. No one has more pole positions than Hamilton. So, like, as I'm talking out loud, a lot of people are going to be thinking, well, he's clearly the, the greatest driver of all time then. But uh, there was just, there's just something, and there's probably an element, and we're all guilty of this, lads, in every sport that we follow, uh, nostalgia bias. Um, like, just that red livery, Michael Schumacher, the 1990s, uh, boy zone in the tracks. Like, it's th- these, those were the days. And, like, I even, before, before Schumacher's ter- terrible um, skiing accident in 2013, 
um, I was big in, as you lads have probably heard before, like big into autographs and kind of collecting signatures from mm. from people in the in the 2008 nine sort of period. Wrote a letter to Michael Schumacher, um, not expecting a thing back, and got back a lovely signed photograph. And obviously, unfortunately, since that accident, of course, Michael um, incapacitated, not able to to sign anything, to post for photographs, to meet fans. We haven't even heard from Michael. It's all obviously guarded secrecy for for health reasons by the family, but. Uh, for my own biased reasons, I have to have Schumacher as number one. His argument there, John, by the way, is the Michael Jordan versus LeBron James one. It doesn't matter how many records LeBron James <laughs> makes, Michael Jordan will always be the greatest. I very rudely put you onto a tangent there, Shane, where you're about to say that Vettel was in third and justify why he's in third place ahead of uh, some of the other greats of the sport. Yeah, like dominated Vettel from, from 2010 to 2013, like those four world titles in a row. Like we think of we think of Hamilton in recent years when, when he was kind of vying with Rosberg and even Bottas to an extent um, at Mercedes. And, and, and you think, oh, the sport is getting boring. And that's why that's why a lot of fans came on board maybe with with Verstappen and Hamilton having that, that battle last year. Like Verstappen had a number of battles. His career probably slowed down with the regulation changes to the cars. And then a Ferrari, like... Vettel would have, for me, really reached a pinnacle if he if he pushed on and with Ferrari won another world title. And, and for two years, from what I remember, he challenged Hamilton for a world championship, didn't quite get over the line, and he really, really, Vettel wanted to win a world championship uh, in those red colours. But, like, 50, like, 53 wins. Like, 53 wins for Vettel. Like I've, I've, I've already said Verstappen is 28, but 53 wins in a car, 57 pole positions. He's over 3,000 career points. Like anyone who says Sebastian Vettel is not an all-time great, doesn't care for or know their Formula One. Like it's hard to believe that he he made his debut back in back in two thousand and seven. But those those Red Bull years and that that Christian Horner uh, love for Sebastian Vettel that you have, and I think lads as well. Um, and I know this is something that you that you talk about a, a lot, Johnny, as well. Uh, like his reasons for for announcing his retirement now, and, and he's he's going to step aside at the end of this uh, this championship, but. He's 35 years of age. He's, he's talked about the fact that he wants to spend time with his family and all that is understandable. But but he, he's done a lot of great things off track. And that's something that Lewis Hamilton kind of uh, paid tribute to to Vettel in the last number of days when, when, when he announced that he was going to retire. Like the the, the carbon footprint of, of Formula One uh, is certainly one of the, the things that gives me a little bit of unease as a Formula One fan. Like I love the entertainment. I love watching it. But of course, you think about all these, not just the cars and, and the races itself, but the, the fact that all of these people are moving from one country to another, uh, so much gear and equipment and people and human resources that has to go into to packing up this stuff. Um, and that's one of the things that that, that uh, Sebastian Vettel has has said has made him a little bit bit uneasy. Like he's he's been an outspoken advocate of, of sustainable technologies in recent years. He, and that, that's one of the things certainly that's influenced his decision. Like he, he says, uh, he said in, in recent days, my passion comes with certain aspects that I've learned to dislike. They might be solved in the future, but the will to apply that change has to grow much, much stronger and has to be leading to action today. Like you might say he's a hypocrite because he's made a career and a a living out of Formula One. But I think he raises a very, very important point and something that maybe we're not talking about enough in the sport. That's inspirational. You can change their views over time as well. Yeah, I I actually wasn't aware of that because it's... um I mean, there were protests at the Tour de France this year and uh, one part of me was saying, well, I mean, it's a cycling event, but like the cycling, the Tour the Tour de France's carbon footprint isn't great, but like, I mean, you look at football, all the, the teams going around Europe playing games, that's inspiration from Vettel because obviously, you know, they're in, they're in cars or whatever, but there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, and, and like, there, there are, we all know that, that 
there are things that make us uneasy about different levels of sports, sports washing. The Saudis, Formula One itself last year had, had you know, rocket strikes near the, the track and points at which drivers couldn't see on the track because they thought there was smoke coming from a car, but it was from a missile a number of miles away from the track. But but the climate change one and, and the point that Vettel raises is is one that a lot of Formula One fans kind of put the fingers in the ears, ignore it, don't talk about it. And, and and like people at Lewis Hamilton have, and that's why I'm a bit of a Lewis Hamilton fan as well. And I, 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 he is like Marmite and people give out about him, of course, and his attitude. But uh, he speaks up about, about issues off track, whether it's, you know, gay rights, rights for women. Um, you know, he, he backs Vettel in this, this climate change fight as well. And I think that that comes like at a, at a certain age and vintage of a, for a Formula One driver. Um, and look, Vettel's in his mid thirties now. He's wise enough to know, to know, the impact of his words and he, he's made a lot of people in the sport sit up and take notice but I think and like you mentioned the Tour de France as well Johnny like of course Formula One isn't the only sport with with a horrific carbon footprint but it certainly has to like I can't think of a sport in terms of the movement of personnel around the world that that is probably worse for the environment overall um, so certainly it, it, it's a positive thing that Vettel has spoken up so he's not just one of the greats on the track but I think in terms of personality Sebastian Vettel is is extremely likeable and, and an important voice in the sport as well Yeah, he's unlikely to be using Taylor Swift's uh, private jet and also slowly but surely Shane is coming around to the idea of putting Lewis Hamilton as the goal ahead of Michael <laughs> Schumacher I think we'd a few more minutes that's where you go Shane, great stuff thanks a million Thanks a million lads OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.